Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Long Run Show. This is Austin Wilson and I'm sitting alongside my co-host, Michael O'Connor. Indeed, and today we are going to be talking about ESG, Environmental Social Governance Investing, um, kind of a more of a, a methodology um, episode here. We're not going to be talking necessarily about specific stocks, although we'll, we'll probably get into that. Um, but more on the methodology. Is it helpful? Is it not? Um, should you use it in your portfolio? What to consider if you're going to use it in your portfolio uh, really is, is kind of going to drive the conversation today. So um, to jump right in, Mike, I think it would be helpful if we kind of just give a, give a definition first so we're sure on the terms um, and, and kind of cover that first. So, um, environmental social governance, um, often thrown around. You want to give a, a just like a broad level definition, real quick? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, essentially, it's it's the it, it, as far as I understand, it's kind of the the broad understanding and methodology taken to. I believe it comes from real stakeholder methodology and philosophy and business where, you know, you're, a company is not operating in a vacuum. They operate in an environment that consists of the society, the, the people who are workers, who are consumers, who are neither, who are just ancillary and kind of around. Um, it consists of the natural environment, you know, the, the physical space, trees, plants, um, all of that. And you have governance, you know, you have the the uh, regulatory environment, the local, state, government, world level. Uh, so it's kind of that, almost a full stack of, of um, different things that are not necessarily directly correlated with, you know, the company's bottom line or shareholder value and stuff right. like that. Yeah, it, it, and that's where it kind of becomes uh, interesting that this is such a, um, I guess, uh, hot topic um, in a world, you know, financial space that's normally driven by the bottom line and numbers, right? Traditionally, that's been the, that's been the number one driver, right? We got to create shareholder value, and and you know that's led to some interesting, uh, not always optimal outcomes with odd externalities um, that, you know, definitely were not incentivized by um, just trying to create shareholder value. So, it is, um, it is. Interesting that we're, we're now getting to this this methodology of, okay, let's look at all the stakeholders. Um, I remember studying stakeholder um, stakeholder kind of methodology in um, a class in university. So it it makes some sense. Um, my my question is, you know, does it does it make sense at the investor level? Should should this be a reason to invest or not invest in a company? Um, because, you know, obviously, um, somewhat you know the secondary market so not IPOs but everything else the secondary market is is somewhat an incentive system for the company um, but not not always right I mean you're not necessarily if you're if you're buying in the secondary market you're not necessarily funding the company um, so it's not as a direct correlation or a, or a relationship as some people might uh, expect but I do understand the ethical standpoint of okay I, I want to be um, an owner, a part owner in companies that I believe in, and you know I want to have a framework for deciding that. So I can see the the impact. So um, might be helpful to you know kind of 
give a formal definition as well, I, I guess according to, to PwC, which is a, is a pretty good source. The, in the, the environmental side, they say, you know, take action on climate issues, minimize, uh, to minimize impacts, capture uh, opportunities and deliver value to all stakeholders. Um, so kind of focused on, like you said, the, the environmental impact of doing business. Um, and then on the social side, creating enterprise value and enhancing public trust uh, by addressing the and managing communicating uh, societal commitments. So talking about um, kind of what, what happens with the workforce, what are you doing, what are your products and services, how are they impacting the society and the, the community at large, and then also the local community too. Um, so that would maybe include, you know, giving back or some charitable work, um, something along those lines. And then uh, the government side, of course, um, making sure all of this is actually implemented. Um, and I actually, of the three, I think probably the governance side is maybe the most valuable to the enterprise um, mm. because you can give, you can, you know, you can give back, you know, companies can give a charitable donation, get a tax credit, but uh, actually enforcing any of those things, uh, you kind of have to have the governance side. So the, the G of ESG is kind of the most important part. Um, so getting getting that out of the way, what are what are your thoughts? Do you think it's helpful that we have this framework now? Does it? I, I, I know Milton Friedman um, was actually very much against this. He thought it was, you know, kind of ridiculous to say that this was important to businesses, um, and and that this should be even considered uh, when it comes to you know the enterprise level of thinking. He thought that you know bottom lines, the end all be all. That's how you measure success. Um, do what? What are what are your thoughts there? Can we, you know, is, is it just the bottom line, or should we be worrying about these as investors? You know, should we be worrying about these other impacts that business has um, and, and different stakeholders involved? Sure, and I, I think that there, it's interesting because there have been studies done where you know they try and measure and kind of show a correlation between uh, ESG activity and profits. I've seen some studies and read some uh, papers that kind of outline that that put the argument out that um, companies that do good kind of subjectively in ESG uh, usually do better in terms of their actual bottom line, do better profits. However, I think one kind of confounding variable in that is that most likely the companies that have the resources to be able to dedicate to ESG are probably doing pretty well already. Um, so yeah. I think I think there's there's it's tricky to figure that out. Um, very bias. difficult to measure. Yeah, there can definitely be sampling bias. Um, so I think it's it's the bottom line is ESG is a pretty difficult thing uh, to grasp, especially if you're outside of a company. Like I think it's it's difficult to like efficiently and effectively judge the the real value of ESG unless you are in depth inside a company. Because I think, like you said, the governance is a very important part of it. Yeah. And unless you're on the board, you, there's a lot of things that are probably a black box. Uh, so it, it's difficult, I think, to measure. And, and I believe some ETFs and funds that have tried to kind of say they're ESG or, or even entire hedge funds or um, instruments that are like, yeah, we're ESG focused. There have been some scandals where, you know, the, the half of their, their holdings are actually not really doing much of anything will come out or, or one of the big ones will, will come out and there'll be, you know, there'll be, there'll be some sort of uh, 
difficulties in, in uh, vetting that effectively. And so it's, it's, it's a tricky job to try and ascertain that while outside of any, I think outside of any company. Um, now, yeah. given that, I think it is, it can be important if nothing else uh, because of brand value and because of perception. Um, right. I think that that can be a tangible effect um, probably not easily measurable, but tangible. Um, and at the same time, you know, there, there are arguments to be made if, if a specific company, as the name of the show, in the long run, um, you know, if, if a company is, if if company is producing negative externalities, whether that's environmental or social, et cetera, I guess one example could be, let's say you have a, uh, a very harsh work environment with high churn, uh, is one example that, and the work environments are actually becoming more and more um, a, a focus for ESG, which yeah. is, hasn't necessarily been uh, as much in the past as far as I understand, but it's becoming more and more of a focus. And at the end of the day, if, if this company has a very high churn, they're, you know, they're burning through employees, human capital is, it seems like an inexhaustible resource, uh, I'd say for most companies and in the economy, but it's really not. And, and COVID and remote work and the great resignation and all that has kind of shown that more saliently I think yeah so it depends on you know the long run and the 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 kind of environment of the economy and especially the labor economy is just just one example where ESG and having you know some sort of governance may be able to provide tangible value and that you maybe you keep employees for longer they're more productive etc cetera, etc cetera. so I think there there definitely can be value benefits to ESG, but the problem is is it's, I think it's very difficult to fully understand those benefits unless you are integrated into that company. Yeah, and that's where, that's, that's where I have a, a tough time using it as a methodology because my, to, to my, um, it, it, my, my sense of the situation is that, okay, if, if you are a company who is, um, like you said, if you have a, have high churn, you have a you have a negative workplace environment. It's very difficult. Or, for instance, another <laughs> another good one that's you know an easy historical example is like big tobacco, right? There's huge externalities there, right? Um, so if you're causing cancer in your customers, or uh, classic, you know, if you're a manufacturer and you're polluting the the uh, the Allegheny River down near Pittsburgh or something, right? Um, that is going to come back and, and bite you in the butt, right? So over the long run, it does pay to be uh, playing by these ESG rules for the company. And I think there's a very good argument that it makes sense from a, a bottom line perspective um, for, for the company to, to you know, be a good citizen, so to speak. Um, but it make, it, it's it's like you said, very difficult to make sure that that is accurately reported. I mean, we don't even necessarily, we, we don't have the, the, the reporting of the financial hard data of companies down to a science yet. There's lots of, lots of examples of improprieties when it comes to the reporting, the financial data of companies, and that's tangible, right? That's numbers and that, that's dollars and cents. So when we're reporting on, you know, on the social impact and the environmental impact of a one particular company, not only are there confounding variables, and not only is there a, a you know a, an unevenness in the, the distribution of the information 
between the outside investor and the inside shareholder or you know inside stakeholder. Not only that, but it's very difficult to quantify. So that's why I have a, a I, I'm not necessarily against it per se, but it seems like it is being overweighted from an investment perspective because I don't feel that the data is actually act, actionable. It is too, um, it's not clean enough. The data isn't clean enough for me to go, oh, okay, this person has a, because for instance, when it's used in an, an investment standpoint, we're talking about like ESG scores, where it's like, all right, a scale of zero to 100, these guys are a 95, whereas this company is a, a 75. So I'm going to go with the 95 rather than the, the 75. Well, there's so many factors that one go into how the score is calculated, but then what's the data that went in to calculate the score in the first place? Was that data even good? Um, does it actually reflect reality or is it, you know, fudged a little bit by the company or, or, or what have you? So that makes it difficult for me to trust like an ESG framework, so to say, so to speak, when it comes to choosing, uh, choosing an investment. But, you know, it, like you said, you don't want to be creating negative externalities that either use up the resource or are, are, are detrimental to your, your long-term growth as a company. Um, and I think that just, that's more, um, <laughs> almost more common sense. And unfortunately, common sense is not very common, right? So it's like, well, if, if people would, especially in, in uh, you know, people in management and, and places of, you know, power steering the ship in the company, if they would use common sense and, and think, you know, forward um, about long-term growth, maybe ESG wouldn't have to be such a, such a conversation. Um, but we, we do seem to, a lot of the times, uh, sacrifice the, the long run for the short term, whether it's a financial, you know, we got to meet this quarter's growth points at the expense of next year or next decade's ability for, for growth, um, or, or if it's just, you know, I'm going to do this because I'm a selfish person and this is going to get me my, my quarterly bonus, you know. Um, there's just it, it seems like it's in in the in the measurement of the thing, it is flawed. It's not necessarily that, that ESG is bad. It's just that it's flawed in its measurement, um, and I don't know that it could ever necessarily accurately be measured. I'm not sure. Push back on that. Feel free to push back on that. No, I, I think what you said is is important because I think there is a distinction to be made between, and, and this is where my opinions on ESG lie as well, is that ESG is ultimately a, a management strategy, not an investment strategy. And I think that while, while the, the management strategy mm. is crucial to have as part of the toolbox for a board and um, C-suite executives and the, the whole company as a whole, it, I think there is a almost a temptation to pull that out and extrapolate that and attempt to use that as an investment strategy. Whereas investing is you know in some ways it's a lot easier than running a business yeah. but in some ways it's it's a lot e it's a lot easier to lose a lot of money than <laughs> but it's i think that there is a this idea that any kind of metrics that you can pull out to understand a business more helps an investment decision uh, yeah and while it's certainly i think it's certainly true that the more legitimate information you have about a business the better informed decision you can make. Uh, the difficult thing is is that I think there's a, a gap between the value of ESG 
in a long run management strategy scenario, which I think it is probably high, it's probably high value to be able to have a very top down, top down view and understand where your corporation or company exists in relation to all these different factors. I think there's a gap between that value and the value that an investor can or may uh, receive. At the same time, there is still perceived value, if nothing else. I mean, the the value of feeling like you're supporting companies that are supporting the environment, whether real or not, is, I mean, that is a factor. Um, and I think that that's, I mean, to, to extrapolate that, I think that's that's a, a huge draw for people to to invest in ETFs or to have financial advising. And people who don't want to worry about their money at all might be in one category, but then you have a category of people who, who are interested in active investing or, or you know, more passive investing, but choosing their investments. Um, they may still be concerned about exactly where it's going. It's not necessarily just for the dollar value. So I think that ESG can bring value uh, in investment scenarios, but I think, like you said, it's, it seems as if there is a lot of, not necessarily hype, but a lot of talk and a lot of uh, developments going on around ESG that, you know, I mean, we saw like with the, the gigantic Volkswagen scandal where how do you, there's, there's no way to know that what that's about to happen. And that's, I mean, that sticks out in our mind because it's very easy to, to think about. And we, we, have, uh, we have that kind of as a, as a, a heuristic, a bias, then that, that's very easy to think about. But think about all the, the car companies that haven't done that. But at the same time, it's like, we know that that's a possibility. Um, we know that ESG numbers are fudgeable in a lot of scenarios. Right. Um, <laughs> and that it's, it, you know, things can and are manipulated in, out there in the world. Yeah. So I think it's taking it with a with a healthy grain of salt. I think not completely discounting it. I, I, I do believe that ESG has some value in an investment uh, thesis. But I think not simply taking that as it is and kind of looking at it in a holistic manner. Yeah, I, I almost, I don't know, I, I, I like what you said at the beginning there where you said it's more valuable as a management style or a management structure or framework rather than a, um, rather than an investing framework. Uh, that makes sense to me because if I'm, if I'm looking at a company, there, there might be a better framework to, that would line up with Yes, I I want to make sure that I am um, choosing a company and supporting a company and owning part of a company that I agree with from an ethical standpoint, and that and we've talked about this before, like with with uh, the metaverse and Facebook and, and Meta platforms Inc. Right? We've talked about like okay, if you're if you don't like the metaverse idea and you don't want to invest in that, okay, well. Don't, don't buy Facebook.com, but you have exposure to it if you're in an index fund, right? So maybe there is uh, some value to the ethical side of it, but that seems like it's a totally different framework than ESG. ESG still seems like a management framework to me. It, it seems like maybe it should be called ethical investing, which I think was a term that was floating around maybe a couple years ago when ESG was kind of coming to the light. There was like ethical investing or, or green investing or something like something along those lines. Um, and, and I would say, okay, maybe that's a little bit better of a way, you know, if you're a financial advisor trying to build a portfolio based on your client's values 
or if you're an individual trying to to make sure that your investment portfolio lines up with your personal beliefs, that's that's fine, um, and I and I think that's good. But I don't know that ESG is the correct framework. It seems like you would want to look at the company on a case by case scenario and say, okay, does this have your list of qualifications as an investor and go down that list and see if it matches. Not necessarily take some third party, um, <laughs> this is gonna be the cynical side of me speaking, but take some third party consultant's report on the company and use that as, as your means of qualifying or disqualifying um, the, the investment or the, you know, the, this, this particular company as part of your portfolio because the cynical side of me leans towards saying ESG is being hyped because there's money to be made on the reporting and analytics of ESG, not that it's actually substantially helpful for the investor and the end user. Mm. Because if, if companies are told they must care about ESG, they will pay for consultants and third parties to come in and create ESG reports for them. And that's big money because we're talking about you know business to business contracts, which are always bigger than B two C you know products or services. So that's big money, and so I can see the incentive system there for ESG to become hyped as a investor relations you know kind of service. But again, I don't know that it's helpful. I think the individual investor, if they're if they're consciously choosing stocks, they need to pick that um, that framework of okay these are my qualifications and disqualifications um, and use that instead of relying on a, on a third party I think that's a much more clean way to go about it and again you're you can trust yourself in that because you're you're gonna find the information out yourself and, and qualify or disqualify that company a lot more work but I think it's probably the better better route to go and actually achieve something rather than tricking yourself into thinking you're actually aligning with your values when really you might not be just exactly what you mentioned with those hedge funds I mean mm. if I was a if I was a you know client of those hedge funds I'd be pissed if I found out that they they had a huge allocation to some company that was completely against my values because I'd be like I gave you all this money to invest based on my values why didn't you do it well is it the company's fault is it the hedge funds fault well yeah it's probably the hedge funds fault but is the problem that you know, they, they didn't do their due diligence or is the problem they're using the wrong framework entirely. So that's my kind of like, I, I, I guess I push back against it really being value at all for, from an investment standpoint. Hmm. Um, but I, I tend to be cynical. As well, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised that that's where I end up on this, on this particular issue. Yeah. And, and I think that I think that there's value to taking a cynical approach, especially when it comes to a an investment hypothesis like this, um, where it's it's tough because I mean, like you said, there's money to be made, and it's it's a it's a new place to add value and to to make value, and and um, you know the I think where there is kind of that that problem that we've been kind of harping on is that the the jump from this is about what this company is doing or planning to do or uh, et cetera, et cetera, according to these kind of third-party metrics, 
uh, or maybe maybe a company makes its own ESG metrics and just kind of provides that. Whatever. D- jumping from that to a fund or even an individual investor, etc. Uh, like we talked about earlier, it's it's difficult to quantify a lot a lot of these things. I mean, certainly there's some situations where a company is buying a certain number of carbon credits or is is you know hiring a certain number of uh, people from a local area, or, or, or different ways that companies try to create metrics around these kind of ideas, but it's very difficult to kind of cross-reference that because there are multiple different, like you said, there are multiple different like zero to one hundred ESG scores from different providers, and and how do you know which provider is the best, the best, and because uh, you then you have to trust a third party about what they're doing to then trust the other parties, and it, I mean. I actually, I don't know if Standard & Poor's has uh, ESG, but I feel like the Standard & Poor's and the Moody's, um, I'm sure they have ESG ratings, and I'm sure that right. they're probably kind of the, the gold standard. So it, it almost feels like another, uh, almost an augmentation of a credit rating, where yeah. you're, you're creating but, the trustworthiness <laughs> of a company based on ESG. But but we know where the credit rating got us. <laughs> um, Watch the big short. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, standard & Poor's was... Was uh, for for the long and short of it, basically Standard Poor's was and Moody's were not accurately rating uh, mortgage-backed securities. And, and ho- I, I, I I hope they I hope everything is cool now, but who knows? I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but but that's my point. Is is okay? <laughs> those risks are financial risks that you can calculate. Now clearly you can fudge the numbers on those too, but at least there is somewhere deep in the vault. A number to back that up that is exactly correlated to dollar amounts and, and risk. Whereas with ESG, sometimes that, that, that can't be fully quantified. Yeah. And, and so that, that becomes a problem for me. It's like, okay, well, how, you, if, if this is an unquantifiable or, or a very difficult to quantify um, aspect and we're trying to put numbers to it, not only do I have to trust that you put the numbers to it correctly, but then I have to trust that you're, you're accurately. Uh, putting the formula together correctly, and you're not fudging any of the process at all. Yeah. And so it's just a it's a bridge too far for me mm. personally. It's a, it doesn't seem like it would add value. Um, I think just going about it, looking at okay, do I line up with what this company is doing uh, from a I, and maybe it's maybe it's you look at it from a, a stakeholder capitalism sort of mentality or a stakeholder um, you know company mentality where you go okay. What are all what are all the, the, the people and entities and, and uh, situations that this company touches and do I agree with the way they're interacting in all these in, these scenarios? Now, that's really that's a lot of work to put in yeah. for each holding, right? So I get the appeal of a zero to a hundred ESG score. I just I, again I don't know that it's that valuable. Mm. And, and and it might be that perceived value, like it might be all about. Which is fair. Yeah. I mean, perceived value is real value, yeah. but the perceived value also has to be followed by real value. So, for for to, to further explain that, so you you can have let's say out of ten, let's just say there's 10, 10, 0 to ten, right? Um, you could have five points of real actual value, and then five points of perceived value. That's fine, but I don't think you can have just straight up ten points of perceived value because then there's no mm. actual tangible value with what you're what with what you're giving whether it's a product or a service right 
So I view ESG as not really having any value mm-hmm. at all. Even if it does have perceived value, I don't see that as being real value to the, the investor. Again, I see it as being a great management system and it could impact the long run you know, of the company itself. But from an investment standpoint, trying to qualify the company on that ESG score, I don't really see it having uh, enough value to, to warrant using it. Well, that's an interesting point. And, and I guess to play a little devil's advocate here, um, you know, if it's if it is a uh, best used tool as a management strategy, which I think we both uh, we yeah. both believe, then is the is the almost the correct way of scoring, or perhaps as you know, as an individual investor, let's say you're not buying into a ESG hedge fund or an ETF or anything like that, right, right. is the the correct way to interpret ESG in your portfolio by listening to earnings calls, to reading reports from management and seeing how they're presenting themselves. Because I mean, at the end of yeah. the day, if you're gonna invest in any company, you have to trust their management. And if you t- trust the management and you're taking them at what they're saying and the financials are right and everything, then you can most likely extrapolate that trust onto what they're saying in ESG. True. Yeah, I mean, it, that goes back to the, the governance side of the ESG equation. Um, so maybe out of the two, you can weight the G score more uh, more heavily because if the governance is done correctly, then you can be assured that even, uh, you know, that, that they're actually following through on what they're saying from the environmental side and the social side. But if the governance is not, is not being accurate, is not being, you know, run across the finish line, then they could just give lip service to the other two, right? So sure. that, that makes sense to me. Um, but then again, we're not talking about ESG. We're just pretty much talking about governance at that point, which mm. you know, I think it's, I think that's probably if you're evaluating individual holdings in your portfolio, I think that's a good way to go about it. Um, mm. But I, for one, am just I'm a, a lazy investor, so I don't do that. <laughs> <most of the laughs> time. I don't, I don't really, uh, I don't really pick individual stocks a lot. I do a little bit, uh, but not a lot. So I, I view it as I'm letting the the indexes do the filtering for me. Now, granted, I'm picking up some some stocks that I probably don't agree with ethically, but I, I my my response to that to, to justify my justification for that is yes, I'm buying. I'm I'm an owner of that company, but I'm not necessarily making the decisions day to day that are causing those ethical issues from my standpoint. And also, yes, I'm I'm somewhat funding the company, but I'm not really if I'm buying it on the secondary market. My funds, my purchase of that security didn't go to fund the company directly. It went to the, whoever I made the trade with, right? So that's that's my, I mean, that's my kind of lazy form of, <laughs> of, uh, of investing. But again, I, I think there's probably, for, for me personally, there's more value in focusing on day-to-day tests that, that are more meaningful and impactful rather than spending all my time listening to earnings calls and reading up on the on the governance of a company. I mean, you might be better served uh, with the two hours it takes to research to instead pick up trash in your neighborhood or something like that. Right. Yeah. Which, again, it comes back to, like, what's the what's the actual value here? I, I, I think it's very hard to pinpoint. And, and maybe it's different for each person. I don't know. Maybe maybe there is uh, an argument there that it's, it's so different for each person. ESG might make sense. So I don't know, really. I really don't know where where um, how, how to answer that question. Like, is ESG valuable? 
I don't know. I guess it kind of depends on who you are. <laughs> yeah. And how, I mean, how does that affect a po- someone's portfolio? How does that affect? Well, you could take you the just, lazy kind of, Yeah, yeah. You kind of elucidated <laughs> yours. But I mean, how do you think that affects other people's I mean, portfolio? so it depends on how much you care, to be honest. Um, you know, it, it could be valuable. I, I think the valuable or the, 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 the value of it depends on how much you care about ESG. If you really care about ESG, uh, the, the underlying components of ESG, then it's probably valuable for you to use it as part of your investment thesis if you're actively choosing stocks. Because I don't think, um, you know, I don't think it would really take too much extra time if you're already researching the company. Sure. Um, if, you're doing, if you're doing the financial research on a company and, and really looking them up and down, then you probably have the time to just glance over the ESG reports on the company, maybe look at two different ones to cross-reference, <laughs> and, uh, and you'll be good, move on. But for someone like me, I don't see the value in it, so why use it? And also, I use a pretty lazy methodology when it comes to my, the, the majority of my portfolio. So, you know, my, my thought process is it doesn't affect me, so, so why care too much? I don't. <laughs> so I guess there's kind of kind of my answer to that is how does it affect your portfolio? It affects your portfolio if you agree with the underlying components of ESG. If not, I wouldn't worry about it to be honest. It, it affects your portfolio if you want it to affect your portfolio. Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of one of the oddest oddest uh, things you could say about a portfolio because that's not normally very true. I I, I guess from a um, the reason I don't think it affects long, uh, you know, returns over the long run is because I don't think that there's very good correlation between a good ESG score and actual good, you know, a company being a good citizen and taking good actions and reducing negative externalities. I don't think there's a, there's very good correlation between the two. Mm. Therefore, I think it really is more of a, uh, a makes the investor feel good kind of a thing. So I don't think it's going to, my personal opinion, and, and you can read all the studies on, you know, does it affect returns? But personally, I don't think it really affect returns. Um, and who knows, maybe it would actually hurt returns if you're, if you're disqualifying mm-hmm. some companies. But if you get a, a, a lower return, but you're philosophically aligned with your portfolio and that's important to you, great. I think it's, I think it's valuable to you. Yeah. And kind of a touching off of that, I think the it's interesting to to look at a portfolio as not just a tool to make money or not just a tool to make financial goals yeah. achievable or achieved, like not just uh, a retirement account. I think I think that's starting to become more of a of a thought process in a lot of people is that people aren't necessarily just looking at their 401k or their active portfolio or whatever, they're not just looking at it as I'm trying to make as much money as possible. Now, there's always Wall Street bets and, you know, <laughs> there's, always, there's, always, there's always that side of the thing. But I think it is becoming can't more... can't do options in your 401k. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's becoming more common to talk to people and hear that, you know, they're, they're actively interested in aligning. They're kind of, they're more uh, philosophical and kind of, their overarching goals uh, in a little bit 
closer alignment than just the financial goals. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, like we talked about, I think that ratings firms and consulting firms are catching on to that and understanding that and saying this is a good opportunity. Um, Which leads back right back to my cynicism. Yeah, yeah. It's an opportunity <laughs> and to I, make money. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not quite as cynical as you are on this. <laughs> I, I will say I think that there is, I think there is some, some real value. Uh, but I think that in terms of a portfolio, um, I think, and, and I'll be transparent about this, is that I usually do a, a moderate amount of research, and I'm a, I'm a individual picker as, <laughs> as the opposite of you as well, <laughs> the, the two sides of the coin. Um, so I do a moderate amount of research into each company. Um, but I can't say that ESG scores factor in um, really more than a, a very small degree. Um, so I think it's, I think like you said, I think it depends on if you want it to be a factor. Right. Um, read, I would say if you're more interested in this stuff, read the, the reports, read, um, you know, scholarly papers about, you know, cor- possible correlation between ESG scores and profits. Um, do your due diligence uh, if you're really interested in this uh, or, you know, throw money into a ESG ETF or a hedge fund or something like that. But I think that, you know, you kind of have to individually ascertain the value, especially in the long run. Yeah. You know, are you interested in in this right now? Just as like, oh, I'm interested in uh, kind of ESG stuff. Or are you interested in that in decades? Are you saying, uh, over the course of my lifetime, I want to be invested in companies that align with my, my goals, not just right. financial? Yeah, and I think that's something, the, uh, the, the efficacy of that is something yet yeah, ESG is pretty young. It hasn't been all around for very long. So that I mean, the the concepts and underlying arguments behind it have been around for a while, but actually using it as an investment methodology has not been. So we'll see. I mean, maybe maybe we find out over a fifty year period that ESG investing actually leads to reduced returns, or maybe it leads to outsized returns uh, compared to a benchmark portfolio. We'll we'll find out, but. Um, I, I guess, yeah, I think it's on an individual basis. You have to ascertain what's the value for you from it. Now, a meta play over this is even if you don't think ESG is good for the individual stocks, maybe you think that ESG as a niche is going to grow. And so maybe you want to invest in the ratings agencies or the, the specific environmental consulting agencies. So uh, uh, we don't really have any, I don't necessarily have any tickers, but maybe, you know, the ratings agencies, consulting environmental consulting, you know, if, if you find these companies that are the ones doing a lot of ESG research and you think ESG is going to grow as a trend, maybe you don't even necessarily, you're not necessarily worried about it in your portfolio, but you say, hey, I think that's going to grow and I want to make money off of that. Maybe that's a kind of a meta play for ESG investing. That might be. I mean, yeah, that, that really could be a meta play. <laughs> not to be confused with meta, meta platform thing. Exactly. Totally different play. But, uh, okay, well, we appreciate you, you entertaining us, uh, enter, er, er, excuse me, entertaining our, our uh, audio for, for this long. Um, usually our, our, our episodes go a little bit uh, shorter, but this is, a, this is a big topic. I mean, there's yeah. a lot here to talk about. Um, so we, we appreciate you giving us a listen. If you would drop a, a five-star rating on whatever platform you're on, that's very helpful. Uh, feel free to share this with a, with a friend if you found it helpful. And definitely take a look at our, our other episodes out there. We've got some on crypto. Uh, we talk about N- NFTs at a, at a certain point as well. Yep. And, and we got really meta with, with uh, Facebook at a, as well <laughs> in a previous episode. So 
check those out. Um, this has been the Long Run Show with uh, with Austin Wilson and, and Michael O'Connor. Thanks for listening. Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market, consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now, and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today.